SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, The Sports Grid radio network over the course of the next hour we're going to hang out with tony mejia and talk a little bit of hoops actually we're going to talk a lot of hoops (laughs) we're going to talk college basketball we're going to talk nba down the stretch how our strategies change what things we look for at the very end of the college basketball regular season how we move into conference tournament play and how that leads into the big dance uh, we'll break that down with Tony Mejia. And, of course, we'll talk about uh, some of the NBA teams that look to be bet on or bet against over the back, I'm going to call it the back half of the campaign, but it's really the back third slash back quarter of the campaign. We'll get into some serious hoops discussion with Tony Mejia. But first, we got to talk about some of the lead stories. And right now, the big story in the NBA, of course, is the James Harden hype in Philadelphia. And... It really is interesting to consider what Harden brings to the table for the 76ers. Because there's the short term and there's the long term. In the long term, I do believe that getting James Harden for Ben Simmons works in Philly's favor if they're chasing titles, which they are right now. When you talk about what James Harden brings perhaps to the postseason, what James Harden's experience brings to Philadelphia with Embiid. Yeah, you have a team with two big-time superstars, and teams like that are capable of going on deep, deep playoff runs. But, (laughs) and this is the big but, okay, Harden in Philadelphia, this is not a finished product. This is a starting product. How's it going to work with Joel Embiid? All right, now, you read the quotes between the two guys, and they seem pretty confident they can play with one another. James Harden, quote, I think we compliment each other. Obviously, the whole world knows how great Joel has been playing. Embiid, quote, as you look at the teams that have won in the past, we look at the Warriors, even the Lakers, and Milwaukee last year, they just moved the ball. Harden is probably up there as far as the best playmakers out of the pick and roll. So, obviously, we got to add that even more to our offense. So, They're talking the talk. Harden and Embiid feel like they should be able to put together a fine partnership. And again, long term, I don't disagree with that concept. I really don't. I'm not going to blame, you know, when we look at, hey, Harden forced his way out of Oklahoma City and he forced his way out of Houston and he forced his way out of Brooklyn. That's not a factor here. You know, (laughs) not yet anyway. Uh, But when we talk about where this team is right now, Man, you've got a lot of players in very different roles to what they're used to playing. And it starts with Embiid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Embiid has been he's the highest usage rate in the NBA last year and this year. He's the center <laughs> of everything. He's the center figuratively and literally uh, for everything Philly's done uh, this year. The reason the Sixers are, in theory, championship contenders is because they've got Embiid. Well, Embiid's a guy who has the ball in his hands all the time. Again, the highest usage player in the NBA the last two seasons. 
at no point in his career, not in college, in Kansas, <laughs> not at any point in Philadelphia, has he played with a guy like Harden who is every bit as ball dominant as he is. Okay? <laughs> uh, you know, his offensive role is really going to change here. Right now, you know, prior to Harden, yeah, go set ball screens. <laughs> you know, uh, and then take the ball in the paint and do whatever you want with it. Now you've got two guys that are used to having the ball in their hands at all the key points, whether it's uh, key points in the game or key points in the possession, and they're going to have to learn how to handle distributing the ball between them. And let's not forget uh, what's going on with uh, Ty Maxey as well uh, for Philadelphia, who's been their ball handler. You know, he's been playing with uh, Joel uh, Embiid and a bunch of floor spacers. And now <laughs> he's got to be one of the floor spacers. And this is a guy who, you know, shot 30% from three last year. This year, he's at 39% on 3.6 per games and uh, 3.6 attempts per game. And now his role is going to be dramatically different from what it was. Now, Philly is not a great shooting team. 76ers 29th in the NBA in total made three-pointers this season. And yeah, Harden can drain a few, no question. But this is a team that didn't have enough perimeter shooting last year. And I'm not convinced that's going to be any different this time around. And we think, all right, Embiid's going to just chuck it out to Harden. You know, Harden's had 102 three-pointers this season. Just 12 have come off of catch and shoot. That's not his M.O. His M.O. is dribble and shoot. So... The bottom line for Philadelphia, are they better in the long term? Yeah. Are they championship contenders? Yeah. But in the short term, for the course of the next few weeks, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be a one-way team for me. If I'm getting involved in a Sixer game, I will be betting against Philadelphia. Again, the markets jump on the news. Harden's playing Philly money. There's always a process involved here, and the process in Philly this time around might take a good month or two before this team gets it all together. Tony Mejia coming up when coverage continues. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. No network. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the SportsGrid. A radio network. Let's bring him in. No need to hype. <laughs> we can hype a little bit. Uh, this is Tony Mejia. And every time I talk to Tony, get a chance to hang out with him for a little while on air, it always impresses the hell out of me how much this guy knows top to bottom. When you want to know what does the bench look like for the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight, Tony will tell you. <laughs> when you're like, hey, what's the deal with the Akron Zips tonight? Tony will tell you. Uh, let's bring him in. Tony Mejia, uh, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers. 
I appreciate that, Teddy, in the intro. I, I mean, I just try to stay on top of things, and it's been something that I've done for decades now. So uh, even though I look younger than I am, it's uh, it's just like one of those things where I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I hear you. You know, uh, even like uh, the All-Star break, you're like, all right, what do I do with this extra hour? You know? <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, I'm not used to any free time. Uh, and then you get a little bit. Uh, but, uh, Tony... You're certainly someone who, when it comes to, and I, let, let's start talking college hoops. We're going to talk a little college hoops, a little bit of NBA uh, on today's show. Let's start uh, with the college uh, variety. And, and you're someone who has genuine, there's what, 358 teams that are lined, and it feels like you've got knowledge on all of them, or most of them. Um, talk about your process for breaking down a college basketball card. There's a huge slate uh, for today on Saturday. Where do you start? Well, I'll start at the beginning of the season, making sure that I have my blue ribbon nice and early, and then I'll make my determinations on what I expect to happen during the season, but know that at, at some point you, you scrap all that. I mean, you have preconceived notions, but it is what it is. I mean, the, and these are these are programs, and especially with the transfer portal, that you have to get to know over and over and over again. And you've got coaches that are favorites and coaches that have annoyed you in the past that you want to bet against because you don't trust their uh, game management or their decision-making. Uh, and then you watch. Uh, I, I stream... As many games as possible, especially if I have action on them, I, I, I look to find them. And thankfully, you know, with ESPN Plus and all the leagues being on streaming uh, platforms, you get to see most of them. There, there are some leagues that you absolutely can't see, but for the most part, you can you can watch every team a couple of times a year, whether you have action on them or not. Uh, and then you know, stay stay in, in tune with injury reports. Um, my my. Twitter feed is basically every beat writer that I can possibly follow. Uh, that way, when I'm just scrolling through, I'll, I'll make notes of this or this guy's uh, you know, dealing with an injury, this and that, and it, it becomes second nature to just uh, go into some situations, uh, at least with some knowledge of, of what you want to do, and then you look at the numbers. Uh, and as we've talked before, I, I make my own numbers, and then I see what, uh, what the Vegas odds are, look for discrepancies, and, and go from there. So you brought up two points right there that I want to touch on. First, you talked about the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Guide, and I've got a stack of them. I think I've got, I've got like 20-something of them because I never throw them out. I just save them and then put them in the mm -hmm. corner. Uh, but when you talk about the Bible, the off-season or preseason Bible for serious college basketball fans slash betters, Blue Ribbon's at the top of the list, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, basically they talk to the coaches in the off season, So, you know, what the coach is thinking, uh, going into a season, they, kind of introduce you to the players based on the coach's viewpoint. So if you're if you're a head coach, you're going to tell the writer about the player. And you can go through five years of Blue Ribbons, and I have them, and, and you just mentioned you have them, and kind of get a picture of that player and whether they've met expectations or not. Uh, you can look to a player that is transferred in and see what was expected of them, what kind of climate they came into, the positional breakdown of their past school. And, and, and you really can form your own opinion on that and obviously what they need to work on. I mean, that is, I think, the, the, the most truthful a coach will be regarding their roster uh, 
up until a season really ends because at that point it's your expectations and then you're managing expectations along the way so you're lying to the media and then afterwards you can you can kind of give a post-mortem on it and that's what the blue ribbon is to me yeah but i mean the, the bottom line is and, and again at this stage of the season the blue ribbon is not going to do you a whole lot of good no uh, no you're but, right but uh for those of you out there who are beginning to intermediate college basketball betters next october Go order one. You know, go to what is it? Uh, blue. I think it's Blue Ribbon Yearbook. You can Google it. Uh, I'm yep. not going to uh, give them a commercial or anything, but uh, uh, it is a publication that, uh, again, most serious college basketball betters that I know read it every year, cover to cover. <laughs> and by this time of the year, uh, the pages are pretty tattered. The other thing you talked about that I think is worth emphasizing right here, and of course, you know, this is the, t- very typical, Tony. I've got 15 questions I want to ask you. We're still on question one. <laughs> uh, so uh, we may not get to everything we want to get to on today's show. But I want to follow what you were talking about in terms of who you follow on Twitter. All right. A lot of beginning to intermediate betters on Twitter are going to follow other handicappers. And I encourage you, you want to follow me? I'm a good follow. You want to follow Tony? He's a good follow. We'll talk about Twitter in a little bit. But if you want to get the most good information that Twitter can put at your fingertips, you follow the beat writers, not the handicappers. The beat writers are the ones who give you the skinny on every team every day. You're talking about every beat writer you can find. Um, how many people you follow on Twitter? I mean, for me, it just keeps going up and up and up every year, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over a couple of thousand. And if I see, you know, one of those things where somebody introduces somebody else is like, hey, I'm taking the, the Boise State uh, beat. So somebody's replacing me on the uh, Ball State beat. Now I'll follow the ball, new Ball State beat writer and, uh, you know, see what you got. And then that's, that, hey, that's the whole thing. And if you're doing your job, you're talking to coaches in between games, uh, you're getting roster updates, you're giving your own uh, spin on stuff. Uh, and, you, I mean, you're the eyes and ears of, of that particular program for everybody, and that's the way it is for all 358 teams. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, that's pretty much the way the way to look through at, at personnel. That's the way to do that. And then you take the analytic approach of understanding pace uh, and and uh, and things like that. They're looking at Haslam metrics or Ken Pomeroy, who's a little more popular, but I, I'm partial to Haslam metrics. Uh, Bart Torvik is, is new on the scene. His site does a really nice job and digesting those numbers and knowing what you're looking at and that's the other part piece of the puzzle because that's how you you look at scores and understand why 132 132 might be a total that uh you want to dive in on as too high or too low depending on how teams play so when you're looking at this card again you know we're talking about here on a college basketball saturday there's what a hundred and i don't even know 144 games today sure Uh, something like that i mean when you, you're talking about a lot of info that's in your head to start out, but as you're going through, you know, the first game on the board, uh, going through all the way to the last game on the board, and I'm sure you work each and every game or the vast majority of the games, you know, what's that process there? Uh, Tony, we got just about a minute before the break, if you can uh, give me some details. Yep, uh, uh, give me, I'm going to put the projected line as to what I think Las Vegas is going to put on it. I'm going to put my personal projected score, and then I'm going to look at the actual Las Vegas line and see what I like and what stands out. And I do it chronologically just so I can get as many games in as possible. Obviously, if one stands out at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 
I'll throw that in first uh, as a best bet before the number moves. But for the most part, like I'm doing things on game day, uh, especially as news breaks as to who's in and who's out, which is a big deal in college these days. Sure, and it's a big deal in the NBA as well. That's something you've done very well with. And in terms of anticipating, all right, this guy is out. Therefore, not only does it affect the, you know, the, the side and the total, but the props. You know, if so-and-so sitting, then guess who's going to get those uh, extra attempts and or points, rebounds, assists, uh, on and on down the road. So uh, strong info in that regard from Tony Mejia, a guy who knows his college basketball. We're going to talk about smaller conference teams. We're going to talk about late February college hoops and the specifics of how to beat uh, college basketball this time of year. And we'll do a little conference tournament primer. Stay tuned. So much more coming. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our programming. Go to Twitter and follow us at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV to stay informed all day long. You'll see clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. Thank you so much. We just uh, passed the 50,000 follower mark uh, in the last week or two. Uh, so thank you, guys. That's <laughs> unbelievably flattering. And, of course, you can follow our guest today, Tony Mejia, at Mejia De Niro on Twitter. Again, at Mejia De Niro. Mejia Money. Uh, and before the break, Tony, we're talking about your process for breaking down a college basketball card. Now, uh, you know, and looking at results, number one, you play a lot of games. Number two, you make a lot of bets on smaller conference teams. And you talked about the fact that you get to watch, you know, with ESPN Plus, with all the streaming, uh, you end up watching a lot of the smaller conference stuff that's not on national TV. When you're making your smaller conference bets, is it based on stuff that you saw? Is it largely stat-based? How confident are you making bets on teams that you might not know that well based on statistical profile and info that you've read earlier? Yeah, look, I try to take a look at these teams at least once or twice because you can go back and actually watch their games. I mean, they're, they're archived. Uh, at least the ESPN conferences are, and most of them are on that ESPN Plus package. Uh, you, you also can do your homework. Like the upcoming conference tournaments are, are you know right around the corner. You'll see how these teams are ramping up towards that. You don't have to kind of put into uh, your handicapping how they fared in January because how a, a, a team journeys from January to into March uh, is unique for everybody. So, you know, as far as betting juggernauts, you know who the, the perceived best team in a conference is going to be, and you expect their numbers against most teams to be weighted to the point where you're you're paying a premium for backing that particular team. But sometimes there's just matchups that are terrible for teams. You know, sometimes you know that um, a Mary Mac zone is going to frustrate the heck out of Sacred Heart, and you make a play on that, or you look at your numbers and you're like, all right. And again, I'll, I'll reference Mary Mac because they're they're the team that plays one of the slowest tempos and zones you every time. Well, you, you you're going to take 
the team that struggles from the perimeter, uh, uh, and you're going to back Merrimack against them because that's what the shots that Merrimack allows. So, you, you know, those teams like that and, and unique situations that arise, that's what you pounce on. Well, it's, uh, again, when you talk about the, your Merrimack's of the world, the majority of betters out there aren't getting involved with these smaller conference schools. And Tony uh, talking about, A, the rationale behind it, and B, the way to beat it. <laughs> uh, I think that's relatively strong information. So uh, here we are, okay? It's late February, all right? And uh, I would say of all the times for college hoops to, to, to beat it, lots of people love non-conference play. People love the beginning of uh, uh, conference play in January as you know, teams start facing opponents that are more similar to themselves. People talk about uh, conference tournaments that they love or the big dance they love. Nobody says the best time, my favorite time to beat uh, the bet college basketball is late February. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks for the tournaments. Are there any strategies at this time of the year uh, where the markets aren't offering a whole lot of bargains on the good teams? Um, what do you do right now in college basketball? I, you know, one of the things that you can kind of pick on are teams that have slumped in January and are peaking at the right time because there's a little bit of a sense of urgency involved uh, and there is, you know, just confidence that you need to generate, um, you know, to, to beat seedings and, and to, to put yourself in a position to be a Cinderella. So from that standpoint, that's, uh, that's one thing that you look for. And look, to keep it simple, you look for teams that can shoot because that's that's going to be the uh, end-all, be-all this time of year. So who's going to make that shot when you need to? I think that's why uh, Davidson is going to be a, a fan favorite for most uh, housewives and and any, and the, the fill out brackets, you know, who's, who's a team that I got to watch on selection Sunday that you're telling me can really shoot the rock and is well coached. Well, Bob McKillop's got a Davidson Wildcats team that can really stroke it. So, so giving us some good specific squads. Let me ask you for a couple more. All right. You know, uh, you talked about Davidson being a team that offers some bet on potential down the stretch. Any teams like Davidson worth talking about? Uh, and on the other hand, are there any teams that, look to you like maybe they've checked out and <laughs> maybe you want to fade them repeatedly until their miserable season is finally over. Uh, let's give our uh, listeners something actionable here in terms of bet on or bet against teams in college basketball over the last couple weeks of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, look, the Missouri Valley still top-heavy and loaded. Loyola Chicago made a coaching stage. Sporter Moser moved on to Oklahoma. But Drew Valentine's got that team uh, loaded and ready. Ben Jacobson's Northern Iowa team, usually good. They fell off a couple of seasons, but they're back on track. Drake's really good in that league. Um, Missouri State. Uh, and then, you know, throughout other places uh, in, in the Big East, will Georgetown – go winless in conference, and will that be the, the death nail for Patrick Ewing? Uh, you know, yes, they're going to be motivated because they haven't quit, but are they very good? No. They lost to DePaul the other night and probably their best chance to break through. People love to hate on Providence because the numbers don't back up that they should be as good as they are, and I think if they're entering the tournament uh, as things stand now in terms of close games, as if as in if they don't play another close one, they're going to be the only team, I think uh, I read, uh, in history that has 
10 close wins and less than five losses. So, and you'll, you'll say, you'll, you'll see people that will say, because they went a double overtime game the other night that most people thought they had no business winning. Uh, I want a team like that on my side, or you'll say, well, then, you know, their edge will dissipate at some point and their luck will run out and variance will kick in and there'll be a first round casualty. So it's just uh, an eye of the beholder thing. Sure, and, and I mean, Providence is one of these teams, and they're worth talking about here for just a minute, because if you, I see it every year in every sport, all right? You have statistical profiles, and there's that betters, wise guys, look for and bet on or against consistently. And every year, there's one or two, a handful of teams in just about every sport that just don't, <laughs> don't the results don't correlate with the, with the hard numbers. And one thing that I've learned in my 25 years in Las Vegas is that after you've lost a couple of bets going against these teams that the stats don't mesh with the results and they're just overachieving again and again, I stop banging my head against the wall and stop trying to bet against these teams. But the, <laughs> the pros don't. They're going to they're, they're bet against Providence every game. All right, you, you can anticipate that... Providence being one of those teams who the statistical profile just doesn't match with the record straight up or ATS, the wise guys will fade those teams forever. I tend to, again, after you get your teeth kicked in a couple times, I've learned over the years that, you know, not every team, not many teams, but there will be a handful of teams year in, year out whose stats don't measure up with their profile. Just ask anyone who backed the Cincinnati Bengals over the back half of the NBA, uh, sorry, the NFL. Uh, campaign. If you backed Cincinnati in the back half of the NBA campaign, you didn't cash any bets because they didn't cover any point spreads. All right. Just a few minutes left here on College Hoops. In our next segment, we're going to shift over to NBA. But I want to ask you about conference tournaments. All right. Because conference tournaments, to me, that's my favorite, what, 10-day stretch of the entire college basketball season. There's so much money to be made if you're paying attention. Talk about things you look for as conference tournaments start. Heck, the first one starts this coming week. Entirely matchup based. So, for instance, like people will, will, will love to bet futures. You got to bet your future once you see the bracket. Um, and, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have an informed opinion on that. But obviously, it could change because an upset could could change a matchup. And I'll give you a, 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 a you know just an example. Illinois, obviously, a Final Four contender, national title contender, uh, one of the top teams in the Big Ten outside of Purdue, probably the most talented one. Well, you put Kofi Coburn in a pick and roll, and he's going to struggle either get into foul trouble or get frustrated. And so that's going to be entirely about matchups. And Ohio State goes into Champaign and beats them uh, in a great game the other night. And you could see Illinois' depth and, and much deeper team than Ohio State, but uh, they Coburn had one of his worst games. And so you look for situations like that where you know you can't get away from who you're, you've got to throw out there uh, and try to at least – uh, know the teams well enough or know the strategy well enough to, to try to pick an upset or two. And, and then you look for teams that are, are desperate late in the, in the season because you know you're not going to hear your name called on Selection Sunday. Um, if you're Memphis, uh, the Americans looking like a one-bid league. Uh, Memphis obviously came in with so many expectations due to a couple of McDonald's All-Americans uh, joining Penny Hardaway's squad. They're not going to get into the dance unless they win the American, which means going through uh, the University of Houston, who's vulnerable because they're not as deep as they want were due to injuries. So uh, you look for desperate teams, you look for good matchups. Sure. So, and I think there's a big difference between 
the major conference tournaments and the one-bid leagues, or even the one- and two-bid leagues. The major conference tournaments you will find consistently, I'll call them disinterested number one seeds. Okay, yeah, we already have a one seed for the big thing that's locked up. We're not going balls to the wall this weekend and try to win four games in four days. All right, so oftentimes for conference tournament play, I look to fade disinterested teams that have already punched their ticket into the big dance. But when you're talking about the one-bid leagues and the two-bid leagues, you know, uh, or maybe you get another bid if you can. The AAC, uh, the American is your example right here, where Memphis is a team that needs to win (laughs) if they want to get in. Those are teams you can really find some good favorites to ride because the class is coming with energy. We're going to shift our focus to NBA when we come back with Tony Mejia after this. Cover it with Teddy Covers continues right here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Cover It with Teddy Covers is not a pick show. It never has been. You know, I, I like to ask my guests to give uh, uh, a bettable opinion uh, before they leave. But this show has never been about, all right, here's one pick and here's another pick and here's a third pick. Uh, it's always been about what's your process? How do we do this? How do I get from being a beginning better to an intermediate better? How do I get from being an intermediate better to being an advanced better? How do I get to, from being an advanced better to be betting at a pro level? What are the difference between college hoops and NBA? What's the difference between, you know, I like to look at as many big picture issues that often don't get discussed as we're breaking down games on a day-in, day-out basis. And that's really what Cover It With Teddy Covers is all about. It's about the process of handicapping as much, uh, the nuts and bolts of handicapping, as much as it is about any specific matchup or team. That being said, when I get Tony Mejia on, I want to ask him as many questions about teams as I can. And Tony, last question about college hoops before we shift over to the NBA. Real simple. Who's cutting down the nets? Who's the winner? Who wins it all? Oh, man, that's a really tough question that I had no idea was coming. Uh, who do I Sorry. Who do I really like? I mean, I think Gonzaga is going to be a problem, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe they're able to do it uh, again because at this point, yes, they lost Jalen Suggs to the league. Um, you know, they lost uh, Corey Kispert, a, a dead-eye shooter, but Drew Timmy came back, and then they added the, the consensus top prospect in the league. He's just coming to his own, and Andrew Nembhard, who is, uh, you know, a point guard who was there last year, a Florida transfer, has really blossomed into being one of the top floor generals in, in the country. So you put all those pieces together with Mark Few, who knows what he's doing. I think they're going to be a tough out. And then his assistant, Tommy Lloyd, from last season, goes over to Arizona, and they were expecting a step backwards uh, due to, you know, Sean Miller and all that, uh, you know, all those issues being a, a cloud over them, and instead they've, they've got a super deep team with great size and Ben Matherin, who uh, is uh, a, really a catalyst, um, you know, can shoot it, can, can pass it, can do a bunch of things. So I think Arizona and Gonzaga, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what their brackets are because they're going to both be tough outs. Maybe they'll meet in, the, in, in an interesting final. That'll be a very interesting final. The coach against his former assistant, Arizona and Gonzaga. 
two teams to pay attention to in March, according to Tony Mejia. Tony, let's shift our focus now to the NBA. And when you talk about, I mean, it's not the halfway point, even though the All-Star break just ended. It's really like uh, almost a three-quarters point. Uh, of the season sure, uh, with most teams with 20, 25 games remaining. Now, let me ask you, the fact that it's not the halfway point, that it's a three-quarters point, you know, does that change anything uh, in terms of the post-break mentality this year as opposed to years past? There's less after the All-Star break this year. Um, maybe, but you know what? Because I've talked to coaches over the years, you know, back back when I uh, that was my job to to be more of a scribe than an, an analyst for for predictions and and uh, point spreads and whatnot. And everybody always said, "All right, well now this is when everybody gets serious. When you really don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, when your rotations are in place. When everybody understands that it's a sprint and you've got to be at your best uh, right around that first week of April because that second week of April, right before the playoffs, is a time to rest and um, you know you." You're hopefully in the sea that you want to be in, or you can maneuver your way in. But for the most part, you're resting prior to the real season. This year, oh, wow, because of the trade deadline being as active as it was, because of guys like Ben Simmons and James Harden changing hands and not even debuting for their teams until Harden did so on, on Friday night, uh, then you know, you're know you kind of stuck saying, all right, I have to weigh what I've seen so far with what I project uh, to happen going forward, and that makes this season uh, really unpredictable as far as, uh, you know, if you have a future on a on a who's going to win the championship bet, uh, you're, you're just kind of uh, doing it with your eyes closed and wishing for the best. Yeah, I mean, there's they're, they're certainly, when we think about the last 20 years of the NBA, I don't know there's been a more wide-open season for who's going to win the title this year. Uh, or for, you know, in terms of there's, there's, you know, eight, nine, ten teams that have, the capacity to get there. And that's not the usual case in an NBA season. Um, the one thing that I always pay attention to once April rolls around for who actually is going to win the, the title, who stays healthy and who doesn't, you know, the health in the playoffs going to make all the difference. And the team that loses one or more of their big three <laughs> or big two likely to be in trouble. You know what adds to that somewhat Teddy this season is that nobody respects last season's NBA finalists. Nobody respects the, the, the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody assumes that the Phoenix Suns were, um, you know, a fluke and uh, that the Warriors will restore order. Uh, and now that Chris Paul is out for six weeks, I think uh, even though the Suns have the best record, you'll, you'll find people uh, looking for reasons as to why those two teams can reach the finals again. And that's what, you know, creates an atmosphere that it is extremely wide open. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of betters are going to fall in love with teams over the next month based on what, what they see on the floor. And yet, when you, if you're going to ask me right now, who's the team to beat in the West? It's Phoenix. Who's the team to beat right. in the East? It's Milwaukee. I don't think there's any question uh, in that regard. But there's enough good contenders that could be capable of knocking them off. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, uh, we spent a lot of time. I, I did six minutes on James Harden at the uh, Open. Uh, of this show and saying, yeah, it's going to make Philly better long-term, short-term, not so much. You know, mm -hmm. Celtics are a team that's played ridiculous defense. Miami's a team that nobody's talking about. What is Utah capable of doing? What happens if Denver gets healthy, <laughs> you know, uh, between now and the postseason? I mean, there is so much when it comes to uh, what these teams are going to look like come May and June that, that right now we flat out don't know. But right. at this stage of the campaign, 
You know, what's the best way to attack the NBA? Are you looking at sides? Are you looking at totals? Are you looking at player props? Um, you're someone that, that casts your net fairly widely. Uh, talk about what you're looking for right here coming out of the All-Star break and wh- where you expect the majority of your betting attention to be uh, over the last 20, 25 games of the regular season. Well, I'm, I'm a big totals guy, so I, I hit my best bet on Denver and Sacramento You know, right out of the break. Uh, topping 234 points, which they did in garbage time, and it was fantastic. And uh, <laughs> at, at, at that point, like I, I'll do a lot of stuff with totals, but I'm I'm like you right now. I'm looking to see how these teams galvanize over the next month plus. And I've seen the Eric Spolster thing up close. I, I trust this Miami Heat team. They've got guys that can really bring it defensively, and we still haven't even seen what kind of impact Victor Oladipo is going to have. I'm a big believer in these Chicago Bulls because DeMar DeRozan is playing as such a high level and Zach Levine is kind of, you know, letting him go with the, with the baton as, as the uh, guy bringing it home, which is a tremendous growth maturity wise from Levine. And you can plug in guys like uh, Lonzo ball and Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams that are going to be back. Uh, and so all of a sudden that team's going to have depth. They had a Tristan Thompson. So the East is wide open to me and uh, it's pretty, the, the, you know, all the, all the fancy lights with Philadelphia and Brooklyn, but I think Miami, Milwaukee and Chicago are going to be right there at the end. Yeah, Brooklyn right now is a bottom 10 team. Okay. I mean, you can make an argument. They're a bottom five team. Brooklyn's Orlando right now. Um, we'll see what happens when Durant and Simmons start to play, but, um, without, uh, what are they, missing their five best players yeah. <laughs> at this stage? Uh, and if you're watching the Nets, they're playing a lot of uh, non-competitive basketball. The fact that they were down by 28 to the Knicks speaks as much volume <laughs> as, the, as the comeback in that ballgame because it's hard to fall behind the Knicks by 28 points uh, these days. So, um, a basic strategy for the last 20 games of the season. Is there anything, I mean, you know, we do, I, I try to, to break things down into... Advanced concepts versus basic concepts. Basic strategy, last 20 games of the season, what are you looking for? You're you're definitely looking at um, the workload. You're looking to avoid teams that are playing three games in four nights. You're taking a look at opposing win percentage going forward. Um, You know, you know, Lakers fans that are hoping for the best, well, I hate to break it to you, but they've got the toughest, uh, you know, based on what we've seen so far, winning percentage going forward against of teams in the West. So, you know, getting healthy isn't likely to produce results. And then once they get Anthony Davis back, LeBron James might be too tired to get anything done if they can't avoid the playing round. So, you know, things like that, you try to eliminate teams. You try to pick uh, upset-minded teams and spots. I think I'll be getting, taking a lot of points uh, over the next couple of weeks and, uh, and playing a lot of totals. And there's been certainly, you know, taking points has been a little bit dicey. (laughs) Uh, We've seen some big runs from the favorites in the NBA. Uh, Nonetheless, the betting markets always catch up. And last question I'm going to ask you, uh, Tony, before we get into uh, a free play uh, for Saturday and give you a chance to promote yourself. But I want to ask you this because it still kind of blows me away. There's still like almost four months left in the NBA season. Four full months before a champion uh, gets crowned. I think the, if the finals go seven games, it'll be June 19th. Now, admittedly, you know, June, you have a game every other day or every third day. It's not as much. But we still have all of March, you know, the, the remainder of February, all of March, all of April, and all of May with basketball every night, NBA every night. Uh, how do you pace yourself? You tanned, rested, and ready off the All-Star break? 
Right. I mean, I think you you look towards teams that have very limited roster turnover and uh, and something to play for. So Boston in the East at this point looks like uh, a sure thing in terms of hey, this is the one team that we can kind of count on knowing what they're going to look like. Yeah, they added Derek White, which is a nice piece. But for the most part, it's Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Martin trying to lock up defensively. And one thing Ime Udoka has done uh, uh, early on in his tenure is prove that he's uh, he's a Tom Thibodeau-type uh, coach and that he doesn't really look to play his young guys or his bench much if uh, the result is up there, which is, you know, that that's a better's best friend when you don't have to rely on young guys down the stretch. Um, and then, yeah, in, in the in the Western Conference, you're hoping uh, for a team like the Clippers that are, is going to get uh, uh, Paul George back, and have added Norman Powell, and and those guys haven't even suited up to uh, to be a spread darling of, of sorts because they're going to come in with with a little sense of urgency. You want to play teams with a sense of urgency, not just teams that are looking for, um, you know, to, to get everybody some playing time. Like Philadelphia, I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole going forward because they're trying to figure things out on the fly. Same thing with Brooklyn, uh, and that could lead to some um, sporadic results. No doubt about it. Tony Mejia. Uh, Tony, uh, why don't you give our uh, listening audience uh, bettable opinion for Saturday's card, and uh, why don't you promote yourself? Give me a website and Twitter. We've got about just about a minute left, so go to town. All right. Well, it's Mejia Dinero on Twitter and on Instagram. Although I don't have much of a following there, but you guys can go ahead and help me on that, and uh, I will drop a picture uh, now and then for you of my beautiful face. Uh, and then beyond that, let's. Uh, I'm up over 90 units on sides in the NBA. Totals haven't been as great, but uh, I'm doing really well on point spread plays in the league, and obviously college basketball uh, doing well in, and really should take off in March. I had a, my best month last year was March. Uh, and then an actionable opinion for Saturday slate. I'm going to stay with what's working. Arizona blew out Utah in Salt Lake City. Now they're going to go to Boulder, where they will get uh, a little bit of a point spread break because it's so tough to win in that altitude. But they've got everybody rolling, and Colorado just lost to Arizona State. They're a little thin on talent, uh, and I don't think that they will be an NCAA tournament team. So you're going to want to lay the points with Arizona on the road in Boulder of the Buffs. Great stuff from Tony Mejia. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and energy today. And we'll have you on again. Coverage continues. It. After this, SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the SportsGrid Radio Network. If you missed, any portion of today's show, you want to check out the podcast version, by all means, do so. It's available at all major and pretty much all minor podcast outlets as well. Wherever you download your podcast, just search for Cover It with Teddy Covers. You'll be able to download today's show, tomorrow's show, and of course the archives. I know there's always people that are interested in going back and making fun of me because of some bad prediction I had last year. Something I said before the start of football season. You can literally go back and find every episode of Cover It With Teddy Covers at Simplecast.com. 
You want to go back and make fun of me for something I said wrong last year? Knock yourself out. Uh, go check out the, uh, again, the archives at simplecast.com or download the podcast version at all major podcast outlets. I want to give you guys a bettable opinion for Sunday, early start TV game, Knicks and the 76ers. And we spent a lot of time on this show talking about Philadelphia and what we can expect early on in the James Harden era, which is transitioning, <laughs> struggles, not elite level play uh, from Philadelphia. And I, that's what I'm expecting early on. The Knicks, a very difficult team for me to put my money on <laughs> right now. We've seen a lot of bad Knicks showing. And, of course, uh, Derrick Rose not coming back makes it even worse for New York. These two teams, 5-0 and to the under the last five meetings. 7-1 and to the under the last, uh, last eight. They didn't even get to 200 in the first meeting this year. And they're not just sneaking under. These unders, by 14, 6, 10, 24 and a half, 17, 42, and 13 and a half points. I'm expecting offensive... The offensive issues in Philadelphia right now. The Knicks have nothing but uh, offensive issues. Put those two factors together. And we're going to look at the Knicks and the 76ers under the total early start action on Sunday. And that's going to wrap it uh, for Cover It With Teddy Covers. We'll do it again tomorrow. Same time, same channel. Between now and then, enjoy the games and good luck.